Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of crap beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead. And I am Scott Beer, Cold Beer Enthusiast. And welcome to episode 58 of Beer and Other Shit Podcast. And, mate, we are here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Gorgeous town. And we are at the Founders Facility, I guess you want to call it, with co-founder Dave and Brewmaster Jeremy. Guys, thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Pleasure. Great really to be here. appreciate it. Such a cool uh, place. John just took us around. Uh, I knew you guys were big, but not that big. That's insane. Yeah, that was, that was I, think, I think a lot of people are surprised that when they get here, initially they look at it and say, no, you make everything in this one facility, and then when they get a chance to take a tour, I think everything kind of makes sense. Yeah, I love this. I was amazed at just the size of the place. It just kept going on and on. There were more rooms. It's like the catacombs back there, but <laughs> super cool high-tech facility. and Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, so I want to get like your background, get that out of the way first. So we wanted to really quick talk about the beers as well. Um, what we got? So you yeah, got what are we the, drinking right now? Let people know what's what we got. So you got the I'm drinking all day IPA. Yes, that's your like I guess would that be like a flagship? You I don't consider that right now. I don't like saying flagship because yeah. we really built the brewery based on a, a really large portfolio of brands. Um, all day didn't come out until we were 14 years old, oh, wow. and we really didn't launch it. Uh, in a major way for another year or two after that, right. but it has become our, our highest volume brand, no question. Fantastic, yeah, so we told getting packaged out there, like a ton of that. Sure. What, do you, what do you got? Uh, I'm enjoying a solid gold right now. It's a gold nail, rather unassuming and uh, easy to drink, so I mean, you know, Perfect keep working. Today. <laughs> Very brewmaster of you. Very brewmaster of you. I like drink, that. Uh, Crisp yeah, clean. Totally. Yeah. What did you get? I got the Fruity Pills. How's that bad boy? It's absolutely fantastic. We're out here on the patio out in the sun. Couldn't think of a better beer I'd rather be drinking right now. Feel that. I got the Nitro uh, Rubius, is that yes. how you say it? Rubius. Rubius. And that's like a raspberry ale. Is it real fruit or is that like a... Uh... Yeah. yeah. That's Pure Pure yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Anything Nitro is, uh, is what it is. So yeah. I want to know the background from you guys, like how, how did you get here today? So whoever wants to We kind start. of saw your timeline up in, yeah. the, in the... We did our research, so we know there. a little bit, but... Uh, uh, so, uh, my partner Mike and I decided to start the brewery. Uh, back. We talked about it back when we were in college, and then both got out into the real world, and then kind of realized um, fairly early on the, this whole concept of living life to the fullest and living with no regrets. And uh, I always say, you know, I never want to say what if. So I called Mike up. Um, I'd been homebrewing for a number of years, and Mike was starting to experiment with homebrewing. And at the time, the, there really weren't that many breweries around. Right. When was so, this? Mid-90s or something, right? Uh, yeah, early 90s, early I 90s. guess, when we started talking about it. And then um, when we decided to you know, actually write a, a decent business plan and get organized, um, it's probably around 94 when I called Mike. And then um, we started looking around. And then um, started, you know, writing business plan, getting investors, you know, kind of building the dream. Uh, unfortunately, a bunch of other people were doing the same thing. So uh, we finally did open up in uh, late '97. But by that time, a bunch of other people were already getting into the game. So we actually thought our window of opportunity was closing. <laughs> um, and you know, fast forward 20 years, little people you know. consider us to be like a veteran of the industry. So. How does that feel? Like, is that uh, to kind of trip you out at all when you look around? It, well, you know, it's kind of weird because it has been 20 years, but it, um, we move so quickly. So much like a blur. It is a blur. Yeah. People say, "Oh, when did you do that?" And you know, 20 years ago, we didn't walk around with cameras in our pockets, and we didn't document yeah. everything. True. So yeah. 
there's a lot of things like we don't everything's kind of blurry yeah we're, we work at a brewery too so. <laughs> i wonder why <laughs> amazing um how'd you become the that brewmaster you know? uh so i came on board back in the year 2000 uh, i was an unemployed home brewer with no professional experience but uh there was an opening on the packaging line uh it was part-time gig but it was a great chance for my foot in the door um, and from there, I just kind of just kept trying to get hours and do odd jobs around here to stay involved. Uh, I got on the payroll in 2002 as the assistant brewer. Uh, There's an opportunity, our brewer left. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, who I'd been home brewing with actually took over as, as brewer here. Uh, I became his assistant. We had a chance to really, um, you know, develop and, and tweak on a lot of recipes and you know, kind of change the direction uh, that the beer was going as far as uh, styles we were making and getting a little more uh, aggressive with the ingredients and the flavors to try to make something besides normal uh you know lagers wheat beers amber ales you know that's, that was kind of what was being made back then right um i took over the the brewing department in 2005 uh, and then i gave it up a couple years ago and i've just been brewmaster since then focusing on recipe development and uh more bigger picture face of the company type stuff, a lot of travel. Amazing. So it's a good life. It's the best. Drinking beer, <laughs> That's writing recipes, traveling around. Fantastic. <laughs> so you guys didn't start in this facility. This is not the OG uh, no, spot. We moved no. here November of 90, or opened our first location November of 97, moved here November of 2007. Okay. Okay, okay so 10 years later. So half yeah. there and then spend the other half. Yeah, about half, half years. Years. Yeah. yeah. Right. Nice. And how was that, what did that growth look like? like so the growth, uh, when we moved over here, um, it's really been, we're, we've been in like hyper growth mode for the last 10 years. So it took us 10 years to get to 6,100 barrels. What did you start at? What's that? What did you start at? Oh, start out at zero. Oh. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you start a company. That's how you always start, right? <laughs> right. Fair enough, Dave, fair enough. With an um, idea and a twinkle in the sky. So our, our, I think our first year we projected that we were going to do 2,000 barrels, and I think we finished around four or 500. Okay. Um, but that, it did. I mean, it took us 10 years to get to 6,100 barrels, and then by the time we moved over here, when we really built a production facility, and a facility that had the means to grow, um, and then this year, I think we're gonna we're looking at what 450,000 barrels. That's what you say. So, <laughs> so the, the the growth has been. I mean, we've been we're the fastest growing brewery in the United States. Really? Wow. How did that start? Like, say for the people who like, we have a lot of people who listen who are you know like maybe home brewers like yourself who might start it out, or uh, you know maybe new brewery owners themselves, and maybe a year or two in or less. Um, you guys are an example. I'm sure what a lot of people want to achieve. How did that sort of growth work? Was it like pavement stomping on your part or was it if you brew it, they'll come type of thing? I think a little bit of both. I think a little yeah. bit of both. Yeah, I think first of all, you, you know, we when Jer came on board, uh, he kind of alluded to it. When we, when we opened up, we were brewing, I always say we made um, well-balanced, unremarkable beer. The beers were, okay. they were good, but they weren't phenomenal. Right. Um, and at the same time, a bunch of other breweries had, had opened up and there were more breweries kind of on the horizon. And we kind of realized, you know, we had to do something to differentiate ourselves from everyone else. And right. so, um, you know, when Jer and this other brewer came on board, um, I mean, I remember sitting at table 21 and we were basically like, this is a new time, so let's get brew bigger beer, more aggressive beer, more interesting beer. And then we kind of gave it to these guys and said, 
all right, let's just have fun and um, become a product-driven company. So all the beers became more interesting. And then once once we kind of kind of set that path, everything, all the all the questions got a lot easier to answer. Right. Um, and so we've grown aggressively, and uh, just watching the whole, you know, the landscape was completely different than it is now. So I, I do think that there's, you know, there's hope for a lot of these breweries to get larger. But there's there's so many breweries. I mean, every town has a brewery or multiple breweries. I don't know if there's going to be too many more breweries that are going to get to be national. I don't, right. quite honestly, I don't think there. I think what we're going to start seeing is some of the regional guys, even the regionals that are like in 15 states might even compress down to like 10 states. Right. Why do you think that? Is that, is that part of quality control, keeping the beer fresher I, and closer think, to home? I think it's just business, you know, yeah. when there's, there's, there's so many local breweries out there now. Um, I think we were in a situation where we were too big to be a regional player and too small to be a national player. We kind of doubled down and said, all right, let's buy it. Let's go through another expansion. We went through you know, $42 million expansion with a new brew house, new packaging lines. This is what we saw here. Yeah. Um, and quite honestly, I mean, I think most of, most of the guys that are national uh, are already national. There might be you know a handful of players that are in 30, 38 states that'll get to 50. I mean, I consider them national already. Right. Is that a good or bad thing, or it's just whatever? It's not it is. A, it is what it is. Right. I, but I, you know, I, I think at the same time you have to celebrate you know your regional players and your local players too. I mean, it's not to say that we're better than anyone else. It's just that. Right. You know, you can find some killer beer at some little local places, but oh, yeah. there will always be a market for that too. You know? yeah. I don't think that's going anywhere. People love the local; they love to go to their local place. And you can, frankly, if you keep, if you keep it small and profitable, you can in, in, enjoy a, a, a great, great lifestyle doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. So then, back in the '90s, that's a very interesting time, and we don't get to speak to many people who are active. Started that, yeah, uh, started back then. Ahead of the time. So now there's about there's over 5,000 craft breweries in the states. Uh, how many? Do you remember how many there were approximately when you started? It would have been in the hundreds. I think when we started, I want to say it was like 400 or 700. There weren't that many. Right. I mean, Michigan alone has, I think, over 300 breweries now. Now, yeah, that's what we're saying. So how was that early on? Like, was there a lot of pushback? Be like, what is this? ground liquid as opposed to like you know the yellow fizzy ground pavia or whatever i will say this that um even our first 10 years we weren't really embraced by you know the mainstream um once we moved over here it seems like 2008 seems to me like is when like the light switch flipped and all of a sudden like the community really embraced having a brewery i think um local government kind of acknowledged the fact that we were driving a lot of tourism, and a lot of people were coming to, to West Michigan to check out not just founders, but when they're here, they're checking out restaurants and museums and the lakeshore and hotels. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're you know helping the the economy, and I think they realized that uh, that you know we're making a difference. Right. You guys have a lot of barrel aged beers, bourbon barrel aged beers. Would you say that defines you as a brand, or did that help you? get the status you have now. I know like beers like KBS, uh, Kentucky Bourbon Stout and Canadian Bourbon Stout, uh, very highly rated on all the websites and very sought after. Did that have a role in your success and why Founders, is that where it's at today? I think so. I yeah. mean, I think KBS, once it, uh, you know, once the, the, the connoisseurs uh, got a hold of that beer and the, and the beer rating sites started to take off and yeah. you know, that was, 
they were they were saying some really nice stuff about that beer and kind of uh, made it gave it that uh, that that hype that made it sought after. Yeah. Um, I think that had a huge uh, part of it, at least establishing our cred as a brewery that you know makes some pretty kick-ass beers. Is that your baby, KBS? Uh, yeah, that came around back when me and Nate were, were going together. Uh, that was, uh, you know, that was a result of just some experimentation. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. We love bourbon. Yeah. Uh, we had a pretty awesome yeah. coffee chocolate oatmeal stout beer with breakfast out, and we thought that might be a good uh, kind of beer to go Chuck into a barrel. And, and oh, is that what it is? Breakfast yeah. stout in the. So, in I the so we ended up imperializing the version that day. Right. Uh, first time we so, ran it, it was uh, it just wasn't it was good. I loved the flavors that it was drawn out of the barrels, but I thought the beer itself needed some work. So we ended up doubling the chocolate coffee, beefing nice. up the gravity, making it more That's imperialized huge. version. Dude, that's sick. So was there, like, when you guys started then, was there, it's actually interesting you brought that part up. So I was wondering if there was, like, an MO from the start, like, I know you said you want to make interesting beers, but did you have, like, you know, a lot of breweries take a tangent these days? Was there Quite honestly, I think it was, um, you know, we, we, we weren't doing very well financially. And, I mean, the writing was kind of on the wall that we, we weren't going to be around much longer. And it really was kind of a matter of that... If we're gonna go out of business, let's let's just have fun and let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's swing for the fences. Right. Um, when we be, when we made the decision to be to kind of look for a niche within the niche of craft, um, I mean, it was pretty amazing how quickly all of a sudden we found these these like uh, eccentric beer enthusiasts that were really looking for bigger, bolder beers and. You know, we don't really use that term extreme beer anymore, but there's a handful of breweries in the U.S. that were kind of pushing the envelope, if you will. And right. um, all of a sudden we kind of joined that the ranks. And then I think with KBS being one of the first breweries to ever put beer into a bourbon barrel, um, no, no question, Kentucky Breakfast Out kind of elevated our status and kind of put this little brewery that no one had ever heard of from you know middle America on the map. Um, but I mean, KBS might be the beer that kind of introduced some of the enthusiasts, but you know, we also, Double Dancer, Curmudgeon came out, Double Trouble soon after. Um, and that's really, to me, that's what what is the signature of founders is quality. Right. And right. you know, the, the depth of our portfolio. And that's what other brewers tend to say. It's like, you guys just don't make a bad beer. Every beer you guys do, even if it's not their favorite style, fucking hits it out of they the bar. Yeah. So like all those ones you mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, are all pretty big beers. So I guess it comes back to the like extreme stuff. So I guess back in the day more so than now, extreme is still popular, but I guess extreme was more defined by like big ABV and like these ridiculous things. Whereas now it's more adjuncts and stuff, I would say. Uh, ish. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, we, we, we cut our teeth uh, making the kind of beers that we enjoy drinking, which were like big, juicy IPAs and, and thick stouts, and you know, that's and that's that's what we were into, and that's kind of we found a yeah. we found a group of people that that shared that uh, you know mentality. So those were the those were the right beers, at the right time to to get us that attention that, that mm -hmm. you know was opened up opportunities for for a lot of other things in the future. Right. So it was moving pretty well before, say KBS, if that was what you say was the, the turning like, point the, almost, or put the graph up that way. Like, yeah, was there other would, ones that were kind of... I would say Dirty Bastard was actually probably the first turning point for us. Okay. You know, 8.5% uh, Scotch Ale, big malt bomb. That was, you know, and I, to me, what, what defined that was, that was what, I kind, of, kind of the first beer that put us on the map. 
but it kind of helped us get to be a product-driven company. Right. Um, but it wasn't Founders Pale Ale, it wasn't Founders Porter, it was Dirty Bastard. And all right. of a sudden we realized that there was a value to the branding and, you know, I always say we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we, we take our beer very seriously. That's so um, that that kind of opened the, the doors for Breakfast Out and KBS. Also, we, you know, we just started having a little bit more fun. So the okay, because like even when I first heard the name like Dirty Bastard, that would have been long before, if I'm not mistaken, beer names were kind of crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you guys get like pushback from like, just like craft that people would have pushed back in general? And you throw but we're, a Dirty Bastard. Like, yeah, we're in one of the most conservative areas of the <laughs> United States. Say, yeah. so <laughs> calling a beer Dirty Bastard here in West Michigan, a lot of people yeah. raised their eyes, and our, our investors thought we were nuts. But <laughs> um, but you know, to me that that also kind of helped where we were at the time, we were, we honestly were, you know, on the verge of bankruptcy. So right. it was kind of like, fuck it, if we're gonna go out of business, you know, That's who cares? So we had, you know, so we had a little bit of fun on the way. When was that? Ish. 2000, 2000 2001. Yeah. Right, so that was pretty, like, before, like, you guys really, like, Still ahead of the, 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 the beer boom, I yeah. guess you could say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I read some stuff recently about, um, the, there's like a you know there's what twelve and a half percent market share I believe for craft beer breweries in the states is that correct about that maybe a little more than that, like I, thought, that. No. I thought it was a little higher than that mm-hmm. okay so maybe has gone up um, I heard that and the re- that the slow uh, not downturn but it kind of maybe starting to plateau a bit yeah for is the first time for the first the boom, time since yeah sure the I know, of the top twenty largest breweries in the U S I think uh, nearly half of them. Their, their numbers are actually dropping. dropping a little bit. And I think that's due to the, a lot of the pressure from the you know the local and regional players. Right, that was coming back to that. Like, mm-hmm. are these uh, newer guys sort of, like, how do you feel about that? Is it sort of, is it too many now or is it contributing to the? You know, the PC answer is, as long as people are making great beer, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it, I mean, there is a competitive landscape to what we do and especially, you know, on a national playing field, so. Yeah. Um, and it is true. I mean, as long as people are making um, great beer, um, ultimately we're just trying to pull people into the category. You know? And as we, we've been talking a lot recently, you know, 85% of the, the beer sold in America is still made by the big boys. So we're trying to influence those people and the, you know, the, the new generations. Um, you know, we're trying to introduce some some great other options for them. Right. Is there a point where the you think the craft beer industry can become oversaturated? There's just too many players in the game. I know if you said there's good beer being made, it's good beer still. But is there a point where there's almost too many options and and it starts just too diluted? I guess you could say. I think those things will kind of work itself out. You know, right. I, well, I think one of our goals was to get to a, a level of, of notoriety and volume where you know we're we're one of the go-to choices where we're we're not fighting out on the shelves with with you know, hundreds of other mid-sized uh, right. breweries. So, um, you know, th- that those things will work themselves out. Kind of like the strong will survive. Yeah, I think Cream so. rises to I think the top. So. You know, those, I, uh, craft beer is not going anywhere. Right. I mean, look, look, look at what's happening. What's, old people that didn't drink craft beer are going to be dying. And the people that are being... <laughs> well, that's really true. Are going to be having kids <laughs> and I'm, giving I'm them craft that. beer. No, no, that's no, facts, yeah. man. But the facts, kids, okay. kids coming up today are, are turning 21 in a world where... Craft all beer is available. Yeah. I mean, they've been growing didn't up. Grow up like that. You yeah. had a surge up for craft beer when you were 20. Yeah. When I grew up, I mean, there's eight beers on tap. If there's eight beers on tap, that's a 
That's a nice lineup. Right. right. And, now, and your import was like Heineken or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Bass. 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 There you go. Uh, Killian's, Killian's been starting to drink Killian's though, and it's just the way of life. You right. Know, there's so hey. much opportunity. Spoiled there. That's rats. not going anywhere. Spoiled they're not going to. In my opinion. It's all they'll know. But I mean, and the thing is, you know, it's not just like when they're 21. It's like they grow up going to restaurants and seeing, you know, 60 beers on tap. Yeah. Right. So that's all they know. So I, I really think it's just a matter of, um, you know, there's great beer being brewed everywhere, but you know, what's the value? Every, every brewery kind of has to figure out their personality. Um, and I think what we're seeing now is, you know, when I travel around, you know, I, I get to go to all these bars and you know, I always ask the locals, I'm like, what do you drink? And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, this brewery, this beer is great. Mm -hmm. uh, the rest of their beers aren't, aren't awesome, but right. everyone's got like one or two beers. Sure. So that, I think in the in the next few years, people are going to realize having one or two good beers isn't doesn't cut it anymore. Right. Um, I lost it. Yeah. So I guess that means like you got no. That's what it was. So you guys went from fighting out like back in say the '90s, you guys were fighting against like a, a, a B lineup essentially would be as you'd be fighting the coolest button whatever yeah. and trying to sort of edge into these bars and get a tap handle. Now you've kind of flipped and you've become the entry point where maybe people will see all day on the shelves because it's around all the time and it's sessionable and, and it's approachable for a newer drinker. Yeah. So does that, is that like, is that, how does that, do you guys feel that that's a cool, like oh. sort of like exchange of places because you went from like the little guy fighting to now, hey, we're bringing you in with this. And on top of that, we've got an incredible range of crazy shit too. I think All Day is, All Day's done a couple of things. First of all, All Day was really brewed when we were kind of, Jerry was working on that recipe for what, three and a half years? Wow. And so the whole idea was, you know, I mean, I remember conversations saying this beer has to be brewed for the hardcore beer enthusiast. Okay. I think as we were getting older, you know, these, you know, super chunky seven and a half percent IPAs. You can't knock them back great. like you used to, though. Right? Yeah, they're, they're great, but there's a time and place. And yeah. as we are all getting older, it's like, man, you know, we we all tend to drink a lot. <laughs> it's like, man, it'd be awesome if there was a beer that had all these characteristics and everything you'd expect from founders, but lower in ABV. Um, and that I think that's part of you know the evolution of all day. So what's been really great is one. It takes care of the, the hardcore beer enthusiast because it's got all the flavors, the aromatics that you want. Uh, but it's also something that we weren't really counting on, but it's been kind of a nice segue beer. It's been introducing a lot of people into the craft category, um, you know, just because it, it's thirst quenching, it's approachable. Um, it's fun, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of it. It was the right beer at the right time, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. That beer could not, the beer wouldn't have done anything if it came out, Thank you know, you. even five, six years sure. earlier. Yeah. You know, nobody, nobody would have paid attention to it at all. Right. They yeah. wanted, they wanted those big crazy beers, and it was only after, much like me and Dave in our in our past, you know, we were ready for, yeah, give me that flavor and that aroma, but right. Man, can you tone on that alcohol so, a little bit? Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. made to be a transition beer, but in turn became right. that. Yeah, yeah. didn't right. expect that at all. Me is one of the first session IPAs because I got a feeling that came out when it started to become a thing. There, I think it was pretty one much. of the first. I remember, kind of the, you know, like yeah. I said, I worked on the recipe for for quite a few years even, mm. and uh, and a couple that did come out when I was working. I was like, ah, oh, come on, <laughs> come on, hurry up, get it together here. But I wanted it to be perfect. I think you know? is when. Started working on it, wasn't it? I think so. 
or something. Right. So essentially, like I was gonna say, you define the category, but if other people beat you to it, well, we went for it. You know, yeah. we were probably the first to really just get behind it and, and, and give it a push. Give it a push. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's amazing. So the other reason I brought up the downturn in um, the craft beer stuff, I'm from Australia and I see, I find it interesting that there's beers that we kind of get across an imaginary line in Canada. (laughs) Border. That I've seen my Australian friends drinking, like Sierra Nevada and Founders now. So what, I read this article the other day, Firestone Walker made a big sort of push into Australia. And apparently there's a market like that, that um, because there is, and the downturn in the US market, or at least the plateau, whatever it, the actual facts are, that they're looking elsewhere to start pursuing that. So has that got any to, anything to do with, um, is it more like are you identifying new markets where you can be like, well, you know what, it's like hedging bets to be like, well, we make enough, this place is huge, let's get some stuff out. It's literally the other side of the world? I, you know, I would say that you know, North American craft beer is changing the way that people will drink on a global stance. No right. question about it. I think it's it's so different than what you know most areas of the globe now are, are used to. And, and it's really the North American hops. I mean, we got some really aggressive hops. Um, and I, I, I just think that in today's world with um, the availability of education and technology, People are people have access, and all of a sudden something's new and new and interesting. I was just in England a few weeks ago, and all they all they were talking about are all the northeastern or New England IPAs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the the influence is instant over you know? there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone, like all these tiny breweries, that's all they want to talk about is New England IPAs. I guess in the global world we live in, right? It's uh, as soon as it becomes a trend here, it's it's over there right after. And beer trading, beer trading's changed that a lot too, yeah. right? We're yeah. we're uh, shipping beer all over the place these days. Long as you're elite. Okay, so yeah. that was so you feel like the like the other markets are already looking towards America, which of course is true. So now is it more just sort of like it wasn't too because of the downturn, or you guys are already there? We well, we were already there. We've been we've been exporting for, for while, six right? years or so. Okay, that's great. Five or six years. What when I might travel around to these places, it feels like it was here. Maybe like you know. 10 years ago maybe mm-hmm. right. some markets are more developed than others but it's like there's a there's a small group of, of passionate uh, people but they're still small it's not a volume thing you gotta switch right. out your craft beer generally but right. it'll happen and it'll probably happen quicker than it happened here just because it's happening here already they have a, a template they have a, mm-hmm. a, a you know a, yeah, a, a way to get there yeah because they're a lot further behind back there I mean even Canada is definitely behind the states it's starting to catch up yeah. slowly yep. but then you guys still keep powering ahead even sure. spots in the in the US I mean like the Bible Belt in the south you know, they're still they're right. They're still, you know, ten years behind. Yeah, really. But like Jerry said, it it's not going to take them ten years to get caught up. No. You know, because there are there's great little breweries popping up all over the place, and people are. That's that's the cool thing I think about our industry is it's typically, you know, people that are willing to take a risk and go for it. Right. You know? That's sick. You actually you mentioned the Northeast IPAs. It's something uh, we were going to ask you, but we're kind of on those idiots who are kind of obsessed with it just because it's new and different and stuff sure. is that how do you guys feel about it because we get yeah. brewers give would, you, is, would you brew one and this get, is what we've been talking usually about usually on Let's one side or the other it's not a it. platter it's a softball <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah, alright yeah. we'll sit back we'll give them a sip I mean let me just let, let me explain <laughs> 
Listen up now, listen up now. Let me Here explain we go. this. Here we go. Let me explain this to you. <laughs> Break it down. There are a great many things that I love about that style of beer, okay? And, and a lot of things that, I, that I've been doing myself since I've been making IPA, which, you know, I love the adjuncts. I can get some wheat and some oats in there and some corn even. And, uh, and I love uh, uh, low bitterness, keep your early charges low and really hit it in late, the, late yeah. in the boil and the dry hop. I love all those things. Mm. Uh, using those uh, these new proprietary hop varieties that give off this juicy effect. You know, I love all those things about it. I always have. Yeah. Uh, I just uh, can't stand it's the way the they haze. look. Why it's do they the have haze. to look like? They don't have to. I don't believe they have to. Yeah. Look like that. I really don't. Well, if you're, um, which one was it here? The, the uh, we had it before. Capricious yeah. and double IPA. Is any indication it was very clear and had all those qualities that we speak that's of? What so, I'm, that's what yeah. I'm talking yeah. about. You know, I, have, you, have you had like a side by side with a hazy one and a non hazy one from different? Like, I haven't personally, although I, uh, a, a, a friend brewer of mine has, has claimed to have taken these back to his lab. We have these tiny centrifuges in our labs. So you can spin out that yeast and, and claims that all those beers taste way better. Even without that yeast, okay. It's still in suspension. Interesting. Because yeah. I don't know. I can't. I can't verify that. Right. I just know that from a consumer standpoint, looking at a glass of mud. I guess as a brewer, you're expected yeah. to seeing crystal I like clear pretty and pretty. I love it. Pretty. Beer. I love it when <laughs> you can appreciate. You can see every uh, beer is beautiful and yeah. shall be celebrated. <laughs> but everybody's got their own preference, and uh, uh, I'm not never gonna hate on somebody's preference. But yeah. me personally, I don't want to. I don't want to drink it. It looks like that. So is that uh, formally, officially, publicly saying that founders will not be making hazy yet? Oh, we never say never, do we? Never say never. Never say never. Never say never. But I think there's a reason that those breweries that are doing it in the Northeast don't really um, distribute, like, at a large scale, because I don't think those beers are going to hold up very good. Probably got a two-week shelf time. We refer to them as milk. They have to be real quick, so you can't really distribute them. It's a different business model. If if you're looking, I mean, we're in... We're in 46 states right now. Right. 46 states and 25 countries or something oh, like that. Man. So, you know, 20 what? 29? Right. 29 countries? Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thank you. Sure. Facts. Sure. The man with the facts. We try I can it. imagine they wouldn't fly well across the other side of the world. I wouldn't. Yeah. So I wouldn't. Risk. I wouldn't. Risk. <laughs> Be blown up all over the damn yeah. place. <laughs> so I guess that yeah, you're right. It's a completely different model. It's it's one that's like more for the neighborhood brewery. Yeah, or whatever local guys. About. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, Or you know, you, you go there, you go to a brewery, and they only sell it out of the house, and there's a line out the door yes. uh, every day. You know, it's, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, pretty cool. And it's cool that it, you know, I, I see this as one of those trends that, you know, who long, who knows how long it's going to last, <laughs> but. What it does do is it gets another conversation going. It gets people talking around the water cooler, yeah. which is good for the industry. Absolutely. Right. So it's not like you guys aren't like mad at it necessarily. It's just more not your thing. Because right. we've met people who were just like, this is bullshit. I've had, it. I've had a few that, yeah. are, that are really delicious and yeah. they're tasty. I just, me personally as a brewer, I would not let my beer end up looking like that. Right, so even if you did make one and it was like a brewery only tap room thing, it wouldn't be mud. Complete the process, you know, just, <laughs> just finish the damn thing. Beer. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. It's very, very cool to see. We um we were sort seeking them out at the beer festival just to see we went to the Michigan Beer Festival as well we came to town. You did, you were there? Yeah. Yes. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. We didn't so see you guys kinda on purpose because we knew we were coming right. here, so we're like, well and the line was like four hundred miles yeah. long, so we're like yeah. We'll check it later. So we went out of our way to, to look for other ones, and there were some breweries that had the hazy ones, and there were some that had them that looked like this. 
And in our opinion, I guess, this one did not even taste any remote. It was completely different. It was just an IPA. They call uh, it an Northeast IPA. I guess because it's trendy, everyone wants to just slap the name on it yeah. because everyone's looking for them now, right? Yeah. But some but did it well, some others maybe not so well. But Well, I, I suppose even among the hazy ones, some are probably good and some oh, are yeah, probably good. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's not uniform just because it's hazy, it's uniformly yeah. right. good. I think for us, we were obsessed with it as beer nerds because of the lack of availability. Like in Canada, no one was doing it for the longest time. Uh -huh. And so we were going to Vermont, like in Montreal, it's like 45 minutes to the border. So we pop over and, you know, we do trips and go to Alchemist and Fiddlehead and Hill Farmstead and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, because that's where it's from. Like for them, I know it's just an IPA. It's just where right. in England, this right. is what we make. That's right. Yeah, IPA to them. And then we see on Instagram, everyone's like taking pictures with Treehouse and Trillium and stuff. Look at these sexy cans with this crazy beer with these ridiculous pores that go right to the it's top. like a glass of orange juice. Which is more like access. Like I couldn't yeah. get it, so it drove me crazy. And I think that drove <laughs> idiots like us to really be into it. And then we come to Michigan and for the comparison's sake, um, between Vermont and Michigan when we did like podcast trips, the, it's it's not it's just different here, I guess, yeah. you know. It sort of seems to be a little bit of a thing, but it hasn't taken over. It hasn't. I would yeah, say even only a year ago you would nobody didn't say it was gonna make it. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, milkshake IPAs with lactose and stuff? How do you feel about them? I mean, Same deal. <laughs> again, <laughs> not my flash in the pan either, but yeah. I, I, I think that the, the hazy IPA is probably not here to stay either. Mm -hmm. I think no. you're going to take the best aspects of that of that style. That's what I think. But I think that actually leaving the haze in there probably won't be a thing of the future. That's fair. Yeah. Um, do you guys do sours? No? Not really. Is that something you're interested in? Not well, in this facility. Yeah, I was going to say, no, you know. It's, it's, it's <laughs> risky risk yeah. at this point. Um, and, and from my personal opinion, too, I don't love sour beer either. Uh, I, I like maybe about this much of it, but then the acid reflux kicks in. Yeah, you like uh, there's always that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so because I don't normally uh, go for it, that's probably has slowed any progress on this sour gotcha. front around mm -hmm. here. But you know, we got we got our own thing going. I think that uh, there's so, people yeah, doing yeah. sour beer real well, but they probably you know mostly do sour beer and then don't do other things as a result. But right. Yeah, we tend to see a lot of breweries that do just sours and stuff. Yeah. Like, that's their whole... I think if you're going to do sours, yeah, you're going to do it. Just yeah. dive in. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Don't worry about it. You know? uh, that just made me think of the barrel program. So uh, John was showing us the pictures of that gypsum mine with like, yeah. your yeah. thousands and thousands of barrels. Like, is that where everything, is that all your barrel aging program is? Uh, not all of it, but I think last year we had, I don't know, I better check with John, yeah. about 15,000 bourbon barrels right. in the caves. Tens of thousands? Yeah. Plants to grow, but yeah. You're bigger than you yeah. thought. Shit. You didn't even know. About <laughs> a shitload. That counts. Yeah. Um, and in those barrels, so is that mostly, um, like, what's the deal with that? So is that KBS? KBS back with back with our, our big uh, uh, volume okay. beers. But and then there's a whole host food. of experimental. Yep. Nice. Do you do any like small tap room only? For sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Like little barrel stuff here and there? Sure. I a mean, lot small of small fan because of uh, Well, you know, the stuff there's so much experimentation. Things. You take pretty much any brand in our portfolio, and I probably tried to put it in a barrel at some point. <laughs> 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 Give it a go. Some, it sometimes a go. it works, and sometimes not so much. Well, you <laughs> find out. You gotta try. Generally, they, they'll, they'll drink it in the tap room anyway, so right. you know, it's not the best beer It will ever. be consumed. They're pretty good yeah. about that. Yeah. Somebody's favorite beer. Right. <laughs> no, that's dope. Um, I think it's super cool. I guess that's something that uh, you guys will be continuing to do is really push the the barrel aging I think so. Yeah, we're set up for it. We've, uh, we, we, we all love uh, what Wood has to offer, and I think we really just are scratching the surface, honestly, as far as uh, different barrels and, and uh, the experimentation with that. So I'm, I'm glad we're set up for 
for going after that. Very cool. Yep. Last year we built, I mean, we built a whole new facility, just what, mile from here. That's got capacity to, I think when we fill out the rest of the brew house, we'll have capacity to about 250,000 barrels wow. just for the barrel aging program. That's right. insane. Yeah. So is that one of the larger ones in the country? Well, uh, I would imagine, I think, I don't, know, I don't know if we're the largest barrel aging brewery, I think we are. Okay. Right. And is that in the states or the world? The US. 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 Okay. That's incredible. Um, we we're talking before about the CBS, the Canadian uh, stat, which is not around right now because we were like, oh, we want to try that one. Uh, yeah. Sorry, guys. That's okay. Um, I have some KBS in my fridge, but CBS was kind of that one that I have seen pictures of and always wanted to get my hands on. Yeah. yeah. What was the difference? What's Maybe the difference next between the two. Well, uh, the barrels used. Uh, so when gotcha. we, uh, one day I got a, a random phone call from a guy that had been aging his maple syrup in bourbon barrels. Oh, right. And wanted to know if I wanted to check out these bourbon barrels when he was done yeah. with syrup aging. I was like, oh, that sounds pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> got a handful of those in. Yeah. And of course, first thing I tried was put some, you know, some, some breakfast out or KBS yeah, style yeah, yeah, yeah. beer in there. Because uh, you just obviously maple goes with the whole breakfast Absolutely. theme. Absolutely. And, uh, and the Canadian theme. Yes. And uh, we yeah. thought yeah. we'd contribute <laughs> to our friends from Canada. Nice. That we appreciate it. Make the best maple syrup. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Sick. So that was, uh, and then that's a seasonal, right? That's like a. That's, it it's has come out. Once in a while thing, right? It came out in what, 2009, I think? Is that the first time? First time it came out in 2009. In bottles. In bottles. And, and then draft only, we did draft right? only two years ago. Is it two? Yeah, something like that. Okay, so it's not. What? 11 and 15. 11 and 15? Okay. So it's not a uh, every October it comes out, it's nothing like that. No, this is just one of those beers that, you know, the people that make a lot of noise talk about. Yes, (laughs) and they certainly do. Yeah, Um, and frankly, there's not a whole lot of this. uh, not a whole hell of a lot of those barrels. Yeah, that's true. Maple barrels are hand on, right? So that's, uh, I guess, probably one of the So if people want more, they need to buy more of his syrup. (laughs) We'll put the link in the description. Yeah, put the link in so we can get those barrels in there, guys. By the maple. Um, Switching gears a bit, I want to, we talked about it briefly just before we started. So you guys had a, uh, I guess an investor, you want to call it? How the, I can't remember, how do you pronounce the the country? Mao. Mao. Mao San Miguel. Um, Do you want to break down the, what happened there? So, I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, the Brewers Association had asked if we would uh, participate in their export program. You know, part of the the Brewers Association, um, their motivation is to uh, introduce, you know, craft beer, North American craft beer to the world. Right. And so um, they asked if we were interested and we thought, yeah, you know, this could be interesting. And so we got to, we started um, opening up some new markets overseas and um, I think it kind of probably was a catalyst for people, other you know, other countries to say, hey, maybe this should be something that we should look into. And um, anyway, when we, uh, you know, as, as the, our entire industry started blowing up, um, you know, we talked to the, the big guys, uh, you know, Miller Coors and some of the larger breweries that everyone knows who they are. Um, they were interested in getting into the craft market, uh, but it wasn't just North American breweries. It was also some, you know, foreign breweries, and, and obviously uh, a lot of private equity companies. Really, you know, this industry is getting a lot of attention. And um, pretty quickly on, we started having meetings with these folks, and 
thought, well, it's probably our responsibility as a company to look at what's the future. And, you know, the, the number one thing is the legacy of our brand, you know, and it's kind of morbid to think about, but we started thinking about like, what's gonna happen to our brand when we're not here anymore? And uh, that's the most important thing. Right. So like, we've got things pretty buttoned up uh, from, from a production standpoint. Uh, our philosophy of, you know, never compromising your liquid, um, that's solid, but um, we started looking at it and all these private equity companies, they basically told us, you know, you know we're gonna write you in a sizable check, but you know, down the road, we're gonna flip this to somebody else. And also- oh, they told you that up front? Well, that's just how it works. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then uh, when we heard about these folks from Mao, never heard of them and they said oh they're a Spanish brewery they're large they're family owned family owned and operated they're they just celebrated their 125th anniversary okay. um, and when we met them um, instead of like their M&A team coming over here we met their brewer right and their brewer walked through and you know he's looking at our facility and um, I, I remember we toured them around and got to know them a little bit and you know they have you know, Steinecker brew houses, and they, you know, at the time we had a KHS kegging line, and he said, I have a KHS kegging line. We have a Crohn's bottling line. We have a Crohn's canning line. So, anyway, they were brewers, and it just kind of felt right. And, um, you know, in retrospect, now with ABI, um, you know, gobbling up a bunch of folks, and yeah. um, a lot of people kind of said, oh, you sold your soul to the devil. Um, I don't know. You know, we partnered with uh, a brewer that was interested in learning more about North American craft because I think they saw that North American craft was making a big impact uh, and will make a continue to make a, a major impact on, on the beer drinking uh, community around the globe. Um, and, you know, we looked at it honestly as, you know, we're still young and this could be like the next the next adventure. And what can we do to bring to make founders not just a a national brand here in the United States, but more of a global brand. Um, and so like opening up potentially Asia and Africa and all of Europe. And so um, we've been we've been partners now for what, year and a half? Oh, it's pretty young. Yeah, and okay. it, but it's great. I mean, they, they come over here, we go over there. They've got a couple people that, that work here. Um, I mean, it seems like almost, you know, every couple of weeks somebody's over you know, visiting their facilities, and you know we're learning from them. <laughs> it's fine. Are you okay over there, John? So it really has been. You know, it's been like a true partnership. We're learning from them, and they're learning from us. Right. And um, yeah, it's been great from my perspective, Chair. Yeah, uh, they're really good people. Um, they've got a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge. They know how to make a lot of beer, which is. Yeah. Something that's pretty handy to us these days because yes, we're kind of going that direction. But right. Like Dave was saying, they don't know anything about craft beer. They didn't know. I had to explain to them what dry hopping was. You know, they have no mm -hmm. idea about right. those kind of things. But they're interested, and uh, so they're just here to learn, and we're learning from them. And uh, there's really there's that's all there is to it. It's been a great opportunity. I made a couple trips over there myself. Nice. And we say over there, it's in to Spain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah. They've got seven breweries in Spain. Right. So, so based on the size you are, and now this buyout, does that make you not? under the craft umbrella anymore? Are you considered uh, 
full-size production, what yeah, are we so considered? Under, under the North, North American Brewers right. Association's definition, we are no longer craft. Okay. Do you think right. that affects you guys as a brand, as uh, in people's I, eyes? Whether it, I don't know. If it affects us, uh, I, I will say this. It seems really ironic that our, our association want you to be successful, but only to a certain limit. So, right. interesting. you know, and a few years ago we went through this when they redefined craft as craft that used to be 2 million barrels and then they bumped it up to 6 million barrels, which essentially was, you know, a nod to Boston Beer Company be, because right. Jim Cook and, and their company were between their, their beer, their cider, their, what else do they have? Like water now, don't they? I don't know. They had a whole bunch of craft. <laughs> anyway, but they, you know, they redefine craft to accommodate one member. Um, anyway, you know, we've always kind of fallen back and said, you know, why even say craft? Why not just say beer and let consumers decide? Um, it, it is kind of strange. And so there, there are certain festivals and events that we're not invited right. to anymore. And that, quite honestly, it's to me, it's more disappointing. That you know, our our industry for years and years and years, we held hands together and said, you know, the rising tide lifts all ships. Mm -hmm. Let's all work through this. Um, and especially now that, as, as we have grown to be become one of America's, I don't remember what number, but we're one of the largest breweries. I think top twelve or fifteen. John, you probably know all the numbers. Thirteen. Thirteen. <laughs> anyway, it, it, it's a bit disappointing that you know, you know, we we've kind of risen to the status of being, you know, the fastest growing brewery in the United States. Um, and I think um, a lot of breweries really respect us, but sometimes we're not invited to their party. Right. And um, that's a bit disappointing that, you know, we can't just celebrate and say, look, everyone makes different business decisions. Yeah. Um, can't we just respect each other for that? Right. I just think the term craft has become so diluted over time, and you can just I'm slap a name on it and yeah. like. Yeah. Well, craft does, that doesn't mean good for one thing. No, it's it not doesn't. Equal quality. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What doesn't mean that small? I guess it, that, that's essentially. Yeah, what that's what they want. They wanted to you want it small and independent. Small and independent doesn't right. mean quality, and it doesn't mean consistent. So. So what does it really mean then? Yeah. yeah. Right. So I'm how, fine with just making beer. Yeah. Just make tasty beer. That's and that's what matters. How is the. Uh, aside from the BA, like how has the feedback been from consumers, from your fellow brewers? Uh, has, has that been interesting or varied? Or? It's been fine. I mean, it's been fine. We yeah, no one cares. We haven't seen that. I mean, around. but you know, there's a lot more pushback against like uh, uh, AB buyouts yeah. and things like that. So well, I think Skizmo doesn't sell beer here. They're not. Yeah. They're, they're not right. looking to yeah. take over the the, the, the shelves with. Yeah. With so would you agree that? That's that's actually a really good point. So would you agree? Because I think that the biggest we've been talking about it a bunch. I think Canada is only like three beer breweries I can think of off the top of my head that have been bought out, uh -huh. um, all by AB, or the subsidiaries. Um, they are, the Wicked Weed one, whenever a couple months ago, that was yeah. one where the shit People hit lost the fan. Mind, yeah. and I think because that was a beloved brewery, sour, mostly, yeah. whatever. And um, what AB are trying to do, would you agree that, like, you know, we're, like I said, we're a little removed, so maybe you guys have a better perspective. Do you feel that, because like, I didn't even know who that Mahu was. I know what San Miguel is. Uh -huh. I didn't even really know that you guys got bought out, so there wasn't yeah. a shitstorm, which is cool. Well, it, like, no. are, are AB the devil that people paint them to be? I don't, I don't really necessarily think that's fair. Now, no. there's no question that AB has a, a much, they have a pretty huge influence over the industry as a whole. Like, um, so Mao, Mao doesn't have an influence over the US industry at all. Right. Um, so I think that's one 
one thing that makes us much different. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if it's necessarily fair, you know, for the folks like Wicked Weed or any of the other breweries that have come through Bios. Absolutely, go ahead. Yeah, check it out. Two, there you go. Um, <laughs> so, um, welcome to Founders. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I always feel bad anytime you hear about one of, you know, ABI just came in and, and bought somebody out. Right. Now, all these breweries, you know, have worked their ass off to get to where they are. And yeah. the fact that if, if ABI comes in or, you know, any of these other companies come in to do a buyout, it's, it's because they built their business to a point where they were interesting and they built their brand up. Um, you know, and people make different decisions, you know, what, what it means to the legacy of their brand. Um, you know, when we partnered with Mao, it just felt right. They were right. brewers and they were good people. You know, at the end of the day, we get together, you know, pretty much throughout the year. There's constant communication, um, you know, between our two companies. And they're good, they're just good folks, right? You know, and they they believe in us being who we are. They you know we we make all our decisions. That was my next question. That didn't, that didn't change because I think a lot of people worried about that these big guys would come in and be like, now the beer is going to taste like water. Or, oh, like that's not the case. Different adjuncts in it that weren't in it before. Yeah, make it like cheaper preservatives and all that shit. Like, oh, absolutely. No, no, we control all recipes. Right. Mm -hmm. But so it sounds like what you really did was like help yourself get to uh, the next level. Like really, yeah. if you had larger goals, which it sounds like you do, yeah. um, which is admirable, and then you found a way to do it with a partner that uh, isn't changing you or isn't trying to change the way you want to do your business. Now you just have access to a little bit more capital and a little bit more distribution that way. Yeah, I think it's what we see as a long-term thing. Yeah, too, this whereas, is long-term. Whereas Dave was talking about private equity, you have the chance of getting flipped in a couple of years. I mean, that's just, you know, that's, but that's fine that's, according to the BA. Nobody cares about that. That's terrifying to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, I mean, five years from now when some of these private equity companies start flipping all these breweries that they just bought. So it's going to all go to shit. Yeah. yeah, and you want to talk about influence, you know, um, I mean the BA right now is talking about everyone being small and independent, but you know, when a private equity firm comes in here and, and, and buys a brewery, and they just start switching people around, saying, oh, you have a new head of sales, oh, right. your, your new head of marketing used to be with Nabisco, and blah, blah, right. I mean, they, right. this is where headhunters just come in and say, all right, we're going to build it up as fast as, fast as we can, and we're going to blow it up, and then we're going to flip it. Who no. would even buy it at that point? Another private Not equity? Private yeah. Another private equity or go public? Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, okay. I, I mean, I think five years from now, we're going to start seeing a whole different light in this industry. Interesting. Okay. So overall, like, it's cool to, to hear that you went with your gut and you did something that you felt was right and that you both are uh, happy with the way that it's gone. Confident. And it's you you didn't a, feel your hand was forced yeah. in any way. It oh, was, no. yeah. No, that's really cool. The next step, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you being candid about that because I know this is somewhat uh, a touchy-ish I think some people think it's touchy. I mean, quite honestly, we're really proud of our relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, we got a, a few folks from Mao who uh, work here in Grand Rapids and they're part of our team. They're part of the Founders family. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And they only got, uh, like, it was like 30% of the company. It wasn't like anything like more than half or right. anything, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, you retain the rest and everything is... Are you guys public? No. No? Any um, aspirations? I think so. There's a lot of regulation. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. There's a lot of paperwork to go yeah, public. Yeah, yeah. I don't really like paperwork. We, yeah, we talked. I feel like John, the numbers guy, could probably work it out. He, uh, he knows a lot about that. Good you know, Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's a whole other time. Um, what are the aspirations then for the, for the brand? You know, I mean, we always say that we, we try to set trends. We don't follow them. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
I mean, there's always a lot of experimentation or what, you know, part of Jerry's team, they call it fuckery. <laughs> Have fun, experiment, and like, you know, obviously not, not every time you brew beer or experiment with something different doesn't always work, but if you don't push yourself, um, you know, you'll never know, so. And that's kind of on me to, uh, not, you know, a big part of our game is the volume these days, but, you know, if we don't stay relevant with the uh, experimentating, experimenting and uh, just looking for the, the something new, something different, you're going to lose, yep. yeah. you're going to lose your fans to people that are doing that, so right. you want to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's true. I guess you can see sort of the way the tides are sort of moving, even with, like, you know, maybe like West Viterra and 12 was like the best beer in the world for the longest time. And yeah, that's right. like right down the list real right, quick. Right. Yeah. Like how quick things change, you know, like, but it sounds like something like KBS is still constantly like there. Yeah, yeah right up there. You got to uh, hold on to some uh, spots. It's kind of funny because KBS is, I mean, I don't even, I don't remember <laughs> the first year it came out. You? It wasn't a big Two, deal. I remember it sitting right. in our cooler in the tap room. Oh, no, no, touch really? You couldn't yeah. give it away. I mean, it was, it was probably stout. Like, yeah. I'm good. Don't I think worry. it was one of the first, you know, first time I remember because it was 19 or 20 bucks a four pack. And um, I mean, people just, uh, I've never seen a beer that expensive and they weren't going to pay for it. Right. And then um, it, it really was kind of the beer enthusiast community that really elevated that brand. Yeah. Um, but that beer has, I mean, it's, it's got legs, you know? Well, we can finally get it now in the LCBO in Ontario, hey, yeah, so I, I definitely grab bottles every time I see it. Awesome. So I have some in my cellar right now. Cool. Do you guys have, you guys didn't have it yet today? No. No? I haven't tried it yet. I do have a bottle in the cellar, but I don't know what the point of that is when I haven't tried it. Just drink it. Just drink it. Just drink it. Just drink it. Just power through it. Drink we're, it. Not, we're not huge fans of cellaring a lot of stuff, okay. so. We well, I did drink, drink one fresh. fresh and I cellared one. I wanted to go. see kind of what it would do in a year or two. Yeah. Love it. Do you guys do collabs at all? Not really. I haven't done a whole lot. Not We've done a few, a small handful. Mm -hmm. Honestly, local, I mean, local or uh, no, no, actually, mostly just flash. trying to get around. Yeah, I'm Green Flash. Uh, yeah. I hang out with the guys at Fatheads down in Ohio. Once, yeah. and, uh, a couple of international ones. Uh, we brewed over in England with uh, the guys from uh, uh, Beavertown. Oh yeah, nice. Uh, but you know, honestly, uh, I generally see collabs. As, they can be a little bit forced, a little right. bit. Why are you doing it? You know, yeah. I don't know. We've really yeah. been focusing on our brand. I mean, yeah. as we were as we were like kind of going through this accelerated growth, um, it's hard to look to your wholesaler in the face and say, "Well, we're shorting you on this, this, and this." But hey, we got this brand new collaboration. Yeah, that we just right. did. Maybe like sure. whatever. They yeah. know it's a short run and whatever. Right. Yeah. I like if there's a purpose to it. Like these international ones. Going to brew with with Logan over at Beavertown was great because we don't. We don't. Have, we're not anywhere near each other, um, but we do kind of similar kinds of beer, so that was pretty fun. But you know, we like I was gonna do a collab with the guys down at Three Floyds in, in Chicago, and they make yeah. crazy beers too. I love those guys. Mm -hmm. But I was like, well, what do you? What, what would you make? Well, we can make an IPA or something. And it's like, know, does that seem worth it? <laughs> that, that doesn't. Seems, you're not really yeah. gonna do something to. Yeah, we do some crazy. If we're something different. Right. I don't know the point of just. Uh, yeah, I guess the marketing thing. That what's point, different right? anymore? I guess it's starting to get to the point. Tough, what else right? is yeah. left? It's starting to get it's a bit nuts. <laughs> Yeah, good point. All right, so we have this section called the lightning round, which doesn't always tend to be fast. Very fast at all. <laughs> There's a bunch of, uh, so you can answer. Feel free to uh, answer at one your word. Pace, it's up to yeah. you. So first one, what's a guilty pleasure beer? So like a beer you'd maybe be embarrassed to admit to a fellow beer nerd that uh, you enjoy. Hams. 
Hams. Hams. I heard of that. I don't think Is I that an American? Uh, it's from the land of sky blue waters. It's delicious. <laughs> it's made with a shitload of corn. It's really sweet. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we like them. So adjunct Dave got me hooked on the hams too, actually. Yeah. Gave me my first hams that day. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, beer you would decline under any circumstances. Like you're at a really awkward party and with people you don't like and all you want to do is just get bombed, but someone hands you this and you're like, I just don't want it. I just can't. You got one? I personally don't like a lot of domestic beer. Okay. Domestic beer? Meaning domestic macro lagers? Yeah. Yeah. No, do I they suck. Yeah, is Ham's one of those though, not knowing the, the brand? Ham's <laughs> has a dear place in my heart because okay. I went through college. Okay. But I split a case of Ham's every day with a buddy of mine nice. for a while. I think uh, Ham's would still fall out of the domestic lager. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just well, that's why I can only drink like one of them. <laughs> you've, you've done your fill yeah. for a lifetime. Do you have one you wouldn't uh, touch? No, no, I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm leery of a lot of uh, people's home brews. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Do you guys get a lot of that? Do people come in? Hey, come guys. cases like try uh, this. And back in the day, we used to have homebrewers come in, and they would bring us a bottle, and they all had that 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 similar flavor, farty and, and eggy. And then they would say, <laughs> "I'll sell you the recipe." You know? Oh right. Like, really? <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. You're like, no, I'm good, thanks. Love homebrewers, but man, homebrewers sometimes just have an elevated wow, feeling of their yeah. of their liquid. Wow. I will wow. say that uh, you know. I would take a domestic over maybe a beer that that I'm not sure about because yeah. man, you could, there's a lot of bad beer out there. Absolutely. My wife taught me a great trick about going to a new place and just make sure you get the sampler. Don't commit yourself right. to a full to glass. Right, already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got the tasters. Got a flat. Yeah. yeah. Um, favorite beer style. So it's kind of maybe like what you would like go your go to maybe or like. All day IPA. I'm session IPA yeah. would be my style. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's hoppy and then sessionable. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll say IPA. Depends yeah. on who I'm with. And I, lo I, love, I love session IPAs, okay. but um, IPAs in general. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, least favorite would be a style. So it doesn't mean you dislike it, it just means like it's like maybe you wouldn't sort of you'd gravitate it. towards it per yeah. se. I'm not a huge fan of American wheats. American wheat, okay. I like German wheats. That's an interesting answer. No one yeah. said that before. Yeah. I would probably put like English pale ale on there. Yeah, I'm letting to those. Yeah. English hops yeah. and English yeast, and I just it's a little just very like mild bland, on eh? the palate. Yeah. yeah, so earthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every time I have one, I'm like, really underwhelming. Underwhelming for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, desert island beer. So if you're stuck on a desert island, you have to drink this one beer over and over and over. And if it's under the perfect circumstances, yeah. so super fresh, perfect temperature. It's always perfect. Always yeah. perfect every single time you crack it, but it's the only beer you can drink for the rest of your life because you're stuck on this desert island. I'm either all day, all day yeah. IPA or uh, our harvest. Oh. But hop harvest. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go with all day. That's what all I made day. it for. I made, I made it to be that beer. All you know? day. The desert. You made a desert island beer. That's pretty gangster. Uh, be a trend prediction. So where do you see it going? So you know, once the hazy uh, stuff passes, <laughs> what do you um, what do you guys see is next? Consistent, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Anything consistent? Um, yeah, I, I do think that hopefully that's the trend that people, you know, consumers are going to get to the point where the, no one likes getting burned. You know, as consumers, no one likes going out and spending ten bucks on a six pack. 
and having it to be phenomenal one time and shitty, you know, yeah. two weeks later. So uh, I'm hoping that consistency will help play out and maybe get some of these players to either up the ante and get better at what they do and hone their craft or get out. Right. Yeah. I think sessionable styles, anything sessionable. I think we haven't uh, we haven't really covered everything in that uh, category yet. You know, I think a sessionable IPA was was great because people loved IPA and and uh, what a great style to go. But you know, I think there's lots of different uh, styles that can be done. You know, pilsners and, and uh, if you how about how about some new how about some brand new things? How about some brand new ideas? Styles that don't even exist yet. Okay. Is that possible? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> That's what I, I bank on that. Are you guys uh, actively pursuing such things that you may speak about? Or? I mean, I, I never brew too style, honestly. In fact, we make a beer and I find a, have a hard time finding a category to put it in when I want to put it in a competition. Because it's not brewed to fall into any sort yeah, of category. So I guys. love inventing. You know, I, I do have respect for tradition, but I suppose, but I don't really. I would rather just invent a whole new thing based on taste rather than what something is supposed to be like from the old days. Right. Brew a great beer and then let other people categorize it. Yeah, you follow what you want about it later. I'm just going to brew it well. Uh, favorite up-and-coming breweries? Do you guys have anything that... Uh, it doesn't have, have to be, be Michigan. can be international. Anything you're feeling national. or you have a good feeling about or you just enjoy or you like the people? Oh, I don't know. I mean, that's a really tough question. There's so many great people in our industry and... Yeah. Um, I don't know, and that's, that, yeah, I'm going to dance around that question. Sure. We, we know, that's fair. You know, that's we fair. Know, you know, too many people in the industry. Um, and again, like we get, you know, both Jared and I get to travel all over the place. And you meet great brewers and people that are passionate. And there's some great brewers who will always be small brewers because that's part of their gig. They're right. like, you know what? Not everyone, not everyone wants to play to stadiums. That was kind of our decision to become a national brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other other folks that are making fucking absolutely killer beer, and just want to you know take care of their local community or their their region, and that's that's pretty cool too. Right. Okay. You have anything you uh, you echo that sentiment? Oh, I'll, I'll I'll drop a quick name uh, as far as like, uh, smaller breweries that are just you know small and up yeah. But I had a a, a a buddy down in Florida. Uh, in Wakefield, Jay Wakefield, yeah. And uh, every time I have his beer, it's just—it's so different. Uh, he does these like fruited part, like the Leonard Bices and stuff, with, uh, with fresh awesome. citrusy fruit yeah, down there. And yeah. it's just, they're, they they're one of a kind. Uh, you know, I don't love sour beer. I already told you that. Yeah, but these yeah. beers are just balanced enough, and they got that fruit to kind of uh, uh, balance gray, it out. You know, so sour, I, yeah. it's, it's not overwhelmingly sour. Mm. So I think that's a great style, and it's got a lot of potential. He's doing a great job. That's it. That was it, a collaborative. Favorite beer city, destination, or country? So, is there any place you like going for beer specifically? For beer occasion? San Diego is pretty amazing uh, part of the world down there. We're planning that trip in October, hopefully. Uh, So, that's be good. It's beautiful. The people are beautiful. The weather's beautiful. Everything about it. Everywhere. There's so (laughs) many breweries. It's a problem. (laughs) Any place? Where do you like to go? Tell us, Dave. Uh, I like Belgium a lot, but um, in small doses. Mm-hmm. Why is that? It's a bit intense. Just because I, I I really miss North American hops. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I like some of their. Uh, I do enjoy a lot of their sour beers. Um, but man, I, I miss the American hop. And after after a few days in Belgium, I'm ready to go back to the United States. 
Uh, California and Pacific Northwest. Yeah. They've got some really killer breweries. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot about Pacific Northwest, yeah. like Seattle and Portland. They've been doing it so long, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. you got a good thing going. OG's out there. Um, underrated style, style brewery, city, or country. So something that maybe doesn't get enough shine, so it could be any of those. Like a region, an actual brewery itself, or your style. Anything come to mind? I think what do some people say for this one? Like, <laughs> it's just like random places. People say like, like Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, like sort of more styles. We had style before, like Nut Brown doesn't get the props it gets, or Brown Ale. Yeah, yeah that's Brown right. Yeah. Say that. But yeah. you know, it's kind of funny because we're as we're talking this morning about different styles, and there's different styles that I think might be emerging in the next couple of years. And you know, looking back, you know, five, eight years ago, everyone's like, don't even touch that style because it's kiss of death right so that's the thing in this industry things well there there are trends and i think jared nailed it when it's about innovation and what can you do that's interesting you know pills is a style that wasn't very popular years ago and now all of a sudden there's a handful of us that are coming out with pills and all of a sudden it's kind of introducing uh an old style to like a whole new generation yeah, I, yeah. I think for a long time if it wasn't you know, if it wasn't dry hopped, if it wasn't barrel aged, you know, and if no, it didn't, okay. no one wanted it. Certainly, yeah. if it didn't say IPA on it, no one <laughs> fucking wanted it. And a lot of the beer nerds were like, uh, it has to, if it doesn't hit one of these criteria, I don't, I don't want even it. want to try it. And right. all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, here's a beer, and it's really light and crisp, and it's got some really interesting Still nuances. And it's it, like, yeah. oh, maybe I should like this. Yeah. If it's cool enough. If it's cool enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be cool first, cool. first and yeah. foremost. It's gotta be hip, like the kids. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Um, I'm ready for some more sessionable stouts. Okay. Can stouts should not be nice. imperial. Okay. So you think that's like they're not getting the shine, and they might come back. Sure. I, mean, I might leave that. I might. Okay. All right. All right. Don't don't jack it. You heard it first. Uh, best beer you ever drank in your life. So often this one is situational. Maybe there was a certain. We've heard some bad beers, but just the situation was so perfect, and it was absolutely the best beer they've ever had at that time and yeah. place. Or it could just be, in a your founders, opinion, whatever. yeah, founders. Uh, I don't know. I've drank a lot of beer. <laughs> uh, that one stands one? out. You know, probably. I've, I've said this before, but uh, uh, Bell's Two Hearted um, is probably the reason I'm in craft beer right now. Nice. I remember the first time having that beer. Uh, I had had some IPAs before and didn't really like them. But something about the balance on that beer and the way the hops were not just bitter, but there was like this floral fruitiness to it that uh, I really changed my life. Nice. Didn't someone say that yesterday? One of the podcasts? Yeah. Okay, Michigan represent. Yeah. Um, Death Road beer or meal pairing as well. So if it was like the last beer you ever had, you just get one of them. Just get one. Yeah, well, before you as go to the desert island, so it's like yeah. last one. Right. Red's right. There you go. That's it. You get one last beer and it's making a reds. That's right. All right. Fair. John paid you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Garnish the wages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's a big one. It's a big one. That's a tough question. 
give me a give, give me a hazy New England IPA. <laughs> okay, there you go. I'm gonna die anyway. Right, right, yeah. Like doesn't I matter. convince me, convince me. Right, yeah, yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter if I'm farting when I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your problem anymore. <laughs> that was that was really good. That was great. Um, favorite style to brew. You guys have anything that uh, you really just love to make? Oh geez, it's fun to it's fun to play with with uh, hops for starters. I mean, and they always getting down on them, rubbing on them, smelling on them. Yeah. So anything that's hop forward, uh, nice. breakfast out's another favorite too, just because of the the chocolate and the coffee are just such incredible uh, mm. uh, flavors and aromas. Yeah. I mean, it's a pain in the ass to make them sure. wrong, but right? But still favorite. Uh, ones yeah. Well, it's kind of a surprising end. answer because yeah. all I've ever heard is what a fucking gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. We started making that, but we made it like oh, once a year, a small batch for the tap room. Everyone right. had a great time. Yeah, so yeah. those were the glory days. And, nah. and now it's uh, <laughs> now it's all popular and stuff. Is it is it manual? Like, is there a lot of like manual? Yeah, that's part of the problem with that because you can't automate a lot of that shit. You still you know. It was, only, it was only a few years ago when we were buying coffee like in 20 pound bags and now we get it in 2,000 right. pounds right. super sacks. Oh, right, it's not as fun when it's that big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the last one was the worst beer ever brewed. <laughs> I know, I have to put you on the spot. Go ahead, Dave, call me <laughs> out. <laughs> Tell him, Dave. So, I think the, my least favorite beer that I've ever had from, from Founders was the mint? I don't even know what it's called. Mint, mint stout. Man? Mint man stout. Yeah, you didn't like that. <laughs> tasted like tastes like drinking toothpaste. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, t- toothpaste. it tastes like yeah. drinking a stout right after brushing your teeth. Ah, uh, okay. It's terrible. <laughs> hey, can't win them. Is it around anymore? I want some now. It was around for a couple of days. Yeah. Before we call this. That and the seaweed beer. Okay, that wasn't my fault. That was somebody <laughs> else. What was it called? Whale, Whale ale. Whale ale. <laughs> You actually use like, like seaweed, nori like, and stuff in it, or yeah. was cool. it was it bad or was uh, interesting? It was salty, salty. I like oh, salty like beer, but, but not it's a like good seaweed though. Yeah. Yeah. I like that you're trying you new things though. That's yeah. cool. That's well, ha- part of fuckery. Exactly. Fuckery like one hundred and one. Did you have one specific that you didn't like? Oh it? gosh, I made this thing for the uh, the local museum at a King Tut exhibit oh, yeah. going on. Oh, that was my yeah. fault. <laughs> <laughs> that was my yeah. fault. Hey, at least you admit it. What, what did you do? Well, it was, they wanted something like it was more traditional. Uh, 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 so Egypt's one of the original brew right. brewing places. Yeah. So they wanted something, Real you know, OG. to commemorate that. Sure. So you know, I uh, beets and uh, honey oh, and wow. uh, yeah. oh, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> did you serve it? Yeah, we yeah. had to serve it at the museum. It was part of this big deal, right? Was it purple? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. right. It's it's cool. Actually, actually really pretty. Good. It was a really <laughs> pretty video. Really yeah, it was yeah, the best part. Of it looked amazing. But one of my favorite beers that never took off while we only brewed it. Uh, it was only for draft. Was the Cashew Mountain Brown? Yeah, Cashew um, Brown. Interesting. Like a nut, like a nut brown. Or? Yeah, it was. And it was. It was so nutty. Cool. The first time I had it, I was walking into an account in uh, Pennsylvania. And I walked in, and there was like a bunch of beer nerds sitting there at the bar, and they were like passing this beer around, telling me, "Oh my God, this is not talking to me." They're, yeah. they're saying, "This is the best beer I've ever had." I'm like, "What is it?" Yeah. You know, they don't know who I am. Sure. And they're like, "It's Cashew Mountain Brown from this brewery called Founders." And these guys were just passing around. And I'm like, "Whoa!" So I hadn't even had it yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we had just shipped Can it I out there. Yeah. How does that happen? That you don't get to try the stuff to get shipped uh, to another oh, state? Oh, I, I think we ship stuff out specifically for this this for week and for oh, these right. special yeah. events. And so so I mean, you don't I always get to. We didn't have that much of that beer. In fact, it uh, it was very delicious, but it didn't hold up very well. Uh, 
nuts. All the protein. All the proteins yeah. right. <laughs> dropped out of it. It looked about like that. Is that it got to the bottom of the keg. It was like, oh, like, 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 like a shake. Nice. Um, is that life. something then like you don't actually get to try? I don't know why I'm surprised about that, but you don't get to drink every single thing that, and approve it. Like, oh, no. Dave travels a lot. For years, I kept saying, why don't we do a chocolate raspberry stout? And then you guys did it when you, you were gone. You did it. Well, you did it. You brewed it. And then, but you know, we have a pretty big tap room that goes through a decent amount of volume. It went on tap. I don't know how many kegs. Probably had eight, ten kegs. Yeah. And, you didn't get to try it? No. Yeah. Three days later, it was gone. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Could have saved me one, Should have been on that. Sorry, bud. Jeez. Anything else you want to ask? No, nah, man. Just wanted to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah guys. For the chat. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Super cool. This is something we don't get to see every day. You know, we've been drinking your beer since we didn't know shit about it. Yeah. And probably didn't appreciate it to the level that you know, we do now. So it's really cool to, to see. Made it out. We love yeah. you. Thanks for coming to yeah, Michigan and checking out all the other brewers. and. Especially, thanks for coming here to the, the source. Thank you, we had a great really time. Really appreciate it, Grand yeah. Marcus. This is uh, pretty chill. Hope we get to check it out for a second before we have to jet back to the cold. Uh, the cold white north. Cold north. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's not snowing yet. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, uh, where can they find you guys online? Is it uh, just... Foundersbrewing.com. Yeah, and is that Founders on uh, social media? Founders Brewing. Oh, look at that. Do you need a job? On it. Uh, on it. You good? Yeah. Um, so that's it guys, thanks again. Thank um, you so if you much. enjoyed the episode, chuck us a thumbs up on YouTube and subscribe. Follow us on social media at BOS Podcast. And uh, if you want to hear more of these long form conversations, check us out at Apple Podcasts. That's it. Alright guys, cheers. All right, cheers. Thanks. Thanks again.